0: to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy.
1: Thanks for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about tricks and strategies to aid faculty, preceptors, and those involved in education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Alyssa Billmeyer, Specialty Pharmacy Manager at Emory Healthcare. I will be your host for today's ASHP Educator Essentials podcast. With me today are Dr. Katherine Fuller, Emory Midtown PGY-1 Residency Director and Ambulatory Care Specialist in Viral Hepatitis, Dr. Danielle Schlafer, Emory Midtown PGY-2 Oncology Residency Director and Oncology Clinical Pharmacy Specialist, Dr. Christina Murphy, PGY-2 Oncology Resident, and Dr. Oxa Adnan, PGY-1 Pharmacy Resident. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Fuller, Dr. Schlafer, Dr. Murphy, and Dr. Adnan. Let's go ahead and get started talking about today's topic, which is precepting and developing pharmacy residents during a pandemic. Dr. Fuller and Dr. Slafer, can you start off by describing your rotation and precepting style, how it has morphed during pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19? Dr. Fuller, why don't you get started?
2: I precept an ambulatory care rotation in our Emory viral hepatitis and hepatology clinics. I provide specialty medication education for patients with hepatitis C and hepatitis B, conduct clinical follow-ups, answer drug information questions, and see patients with providers. For hep C patients, I usually touch base in clinic or via phone within two weeks of a medication new start and every 30 days while on treatment with less frequent follow-up required for hepatitis B patients. Prior to COVID, my students and residents would work at patients and present the clinical recommendations to the physician or mid-level prior to the face-to-face clinic. Learners would then see the patients with the provider and counsel patients face-to-face in addition to telephone clinical follow-up. After COVID, all of our face-to-face visits ceased and the clinic was transitioned to telehealth, whether that was through video or video or telephone. Post COVID, our clinic remains 80 plus percent telehealth. In this environment, I have learners interact with the provider via video or internal messaging platforms to provide clinical recommendations and interventions. Learners are then on a three-way video call with the provider and patient, ultimately taking my role on the team with medication education and clinical interventions by the end of the learning experience. Thank you, Dr. Fuller. Dr. Slayfer, what about you?
3: Thanks, Alyssa. So my role is as a clinical pharmacist on an inpatient acute leukemia service. We have a typical daily census of about 20 to 30 patients. And my position rotates between the inpatient service and outpatient clinics, but we'll just focus our discussion today on the impact to the inpatient learning experience. Um, So prior to COVID, this was structured as a typical inpatient service where I would meet with learners prior to rounds to review patients and their interventions for the day. Then we would attend rounds in person with the multidisciplinary team. And then afternoons were spent following up on interventions, providing patient education on chemotherapy and doing didactic teaching and topic discussions. During COVID, we had to rapidly transition to remote work with pharmacists and learners working remotely with limited time on site. During that time, we actually implemented Zoom rounds and any patient reviews or topic discussions with learners on service were also conducted via Zoom. Um, Similar to what Catherine described with her clinic, patient counseling transitioned to more of a telehealth, telehealth format where we would coordinate with our on-site team members to provide printed education materials to the patient in, in person with the nurses at the bedside. We could also send materials electronically through the medical electronic medical record if patients and caregivers were interested in um, getting information through that format. But The counseling itself was conducted by phone or video call with the patient, and we made efforts to also include family members where possible, whether on that same call with the patient or as a separate follow up call afterwards, since the majority of our patients weren't able to have a caregiver present in person with them during their inpatient stay due to visitor restrictions post-COVID, we've returned fully to on-site practice and we've resumed in-person rounds and topic discussions with the implementation of masks and social distancing as appropriate. We have taken some risk stratification for in-person patient interactions into consideration. So if we have any COVID-positive patients or patients under investigation with a pending COVID test, they're actually cohorted on a separate unit away from the leukemia floor. uh, And we minimize our face-to-face interactions with these patients as much as possible to reduce the risk of the spread of COVID to our immunocompromised population, as well as to avoid any unnecessary exposure to the learner. So any education or medication histories that need to be completed for those patients are done by phone until a negative result is available and the patient can move to the floor. Our visitor restrictions over time have been easing as we come out of the pandemic, but as a takeaway from COVID times, I do still make it a point to teach residents to be intentional about including caregivers in counseling discussions, either by phone or video call for chemotherapy education, rather than just relying simply on those who happen to be present in the room with the patient. So it's now a routine practice for myself and my learners to ask patients specifically who else they would like to join in their education session or be contacted separately after we speak with the patient.
1: Thank you both for sharing. I can tell that you have made some quick, intuitive, and very impactful changes during this time to help your learners. Conversely, let's go ahead and talk about some challenges you guys have both experienced as you know being both a preceptor and a residency director during this time. What are some strategies you have taken to mitigate those challenges as well? Dr. Schlafer, do you wanna get us started?
3: Yeah, we've definitely had a lot of change and a number of challenges that we've had to adapt to over the course of the year. One of our very first considerations was addressing any concerns about resident safety that may have come up at the start of the pandemic. Residents were provided the opportunity to work remotely in any capacity that their preceptor was doing so. Uh, But then for job functions that were unable to be done remotely, We had to ensure that they had access to appropriate PPE and that we had frequent communication across the system to ensure residents had access to the most up-to-date information as our policies were evolving rapidly during that time. Another thing that's been a huge challenge this year is maintaining a sense of community within the residency program since our in-person interactions are very limited. And the typical social events that we would normally plan really weren't able to happen during COVID. In some ways, we were lucky that all of our PGY2s this year had completed their PGY1s within the Emory system, so there was already some familiarity there. We did attempt to schedule some small group meetings in person when possible and implemented some Zoom-based activities like a journal club happy hour for this year. And those things were somewhat of a substitute, but the novelty of Zoom does wear off, and it's really something we're all looking forward to returning more to normal as COVID subsides. We also needed to think about how we were preparing residents for the next step in their careers. As we moved through the pandemic, there were initial reductions in COVID case numbers followed by surges which led to uncertainty about the format of recruitment events such as ASHP mid-year and PPS. We made arrangements to prepare our residents for either a virtual or an in-person format throughout the year. And then finally, um, we did work closely with our pharmacy administration to assess the financial impact of COVID on the system and ensure that we had appropriate financial resources that would be available to support the residency program for the current year and then going into recruitment for the next year's class. So it was really great to have their support and
2: engagement throughout that process.
1: Thank you for sharing. Dr. Fuller. what are some challenges you've experienced?
2: For our pgi one program, onboarding was the first challenge we experienced given our workforce was split between onsite and work from home. Residents really had less hands-on and onsite support than in previous years. So as a leadership team, we had frequent check-ins during orientation and the residents were really good at communicating challenges so that we as a leadership team could help mitigate those and evaluate what changes, if any, were needed in the rest of the orientation schedule. Training residents and transitioning portions of the residency program to telehealth was another challenge. Video telehealth and virtual rounds was a pretty new process for our Emory Healthcare System and certainly our pharmacy learning experiences. As a preceptor, it took a couple of rotations to really orient and prepare learners effectively for telehealth ambulatory care encounters. And finally, we were prepared if preceptors or residents went out with COVID and wanted to ensure that the program was structured so that residents could still meet all the rotation requirements to graduate. We have a large number of preceptors within our different rotation categories like critical care, internal medicine, ambulatory care that could have stepped up to precept if, for instance, the primary pre- preceptor for a required experience was out with COVID. Dr. Poehler, how does one create a successful and
1: sustainable learning
2: environment? Creating a successful learning environment really starts with good communication and a structured orientation. Early in rotation, I reviewed the syllabus and rotation expectations with every learner. We discussed turnaround time and deadlines for patient workups, drug information questions and projects. I set the expectations for the methods of communication between both the learner and provider and preceptor, whether this is via the electronic medical record, internal messaging platforms like Teams or email. With COVID, I've expanded the orientation topics to include telehealth tips and tricks, reviewing their devices for telehealth compatibility, and discussing how to build rapport with providers virtually. I introduced the learners to the main team members on the first clinic day and set the expectations with the team that the learner will be autonomous before the end of rotation, depending on their skill set. COVID 19 has enabled an expanded skill set both among preceptors and learners as we have navigated the pandemic. Pharmacy learners are doing great at effectively communicating and exploring new methods of communication that they likely did not previously use with providers. From a provider perspective, I found it is important to frequently check in and see what is or is not working with the learners in the telehealth and COVID environment. Receiving feedback and implementing changes to the ways that I integrate learners into rotation has been crucial in making it a sustainable learning environment, both for the provider, preceptor, and learners. Thank you, Dr. Fuller. So switching gears a little bit, despite the
1: tragedy we've lived through over the past year, I'm sure we can all say we've experienced our own silver linings. Could you both describe the lessons you've learned as an RPD in COVID-19 and what you plan on carrying forward into subsequent residency classes? Dr. Schlafer, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, COVID has definitely been a catalyst for change in a lot of ways, and um, there are some things that will carry forward um, into the coming residency years. Probably one of the biggest things is our use of teleconferencing software like Zoom, both for patient interactions as well as for components of the residency program. We're very lucky at Emory to be part of a large system of campuses across the Atlanta area, uh, which means that we have preceptors that are in several different physical locations. While we used some teleconferencing prior to COVID, it was pretty limited to phone conference lines. And now with everyone's increased comfort with Zoom and Teams, it's made it much easier to increase communication and engagement across all of our campuses. So we'll continue to be able to provide CE opportunities and share topic discussions regardless of where a preceptor or a resident is physically located. On the other hand, we've learned that virtual interactions are not a substitute for um, that face-to-face in-person interaction in a lot of ways. Um, So our experience with COVID has highlighted the value of the in-person social interactions with patients and with residents and preceptors that have had to happen on a much smaller scale during this year. But we're looking forward to resuming those in-person interactions as we come out of the pandemic.
1: Dr. Fuller, what are some silver linings that you've experienced this year that you'll carry forward?
2: Danielle, just great point altogether. Just a few things to add. I think that creating that safe space for residents to open up has been even more important during COVID-19. Given many of the traditional support systems our residents have relied on through family and friends is really limited. Shared vulnerability and empathy has really become a lot more culturally prevalent and really trickled down to our healthcare systems and residents during COVID-19. I create time and space for informal resident meetings outside the structured residency advisory committee and quarterly development meetings to create that space for vulnerability. And this is something we'll continue to move forward and carry with into further residency classes. As an RPD, I've really been able to reevaluate the residency program in light of the changes of COVID-19 in the entire healthcare system. And we'll be looking for ways to ensure the positives of COVID-19 like the integration of telehealth are incorporated into the residency program long-term.
1: Well, thank you both Dr. Schlafer and Dr. Fuller for your insight today. Um, I'd like to just take a moment to transition over to hear from our residents, if that's okay. Um, Dr. Murphy, can you describe your key learning experiences this year and lessons that you've learned over the past year?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think the first key learning experience that comes to mind um, during that transition in residency pre and post-COVID occurred actually two weeks um, into the pandemic as I started my outpatient hepatology rotation with Dr. Fuller. Um, So we were primarily managing patients with hepatitis C um, therapy, which includes monitoring their response to treatment throughout. And we had several newly diagnosed and recently diagnosed patients who are either wanting to stop treatment or not start treatment um, due to the uncertainty of the pandemic additionally we had patients that were on treatment that were very hesitant to come in to get their routine labs um, and see their response to therapy Um, so this experience really allowed me to grow in how i empathize with patients i had several really vulnerable conversations with patients helping them weigh the risks and the benefits of treating their hepatitis c versus maybe holding off in the wake of covid and i think as healthcare professionals the core of really what we do is weighing risk and benefits, but the pandemic really pushed that um, to the limit and really allowed us to think beyond our limits, understand others more personally and communicate beyond how we previously did. Um, And that's something that I've really carried forward um, in my patient interactions, not only in communicating with patients, but providers um, and preceptors as well. Um, Especially when we realized that the pandemic was gonna be more of a permanent part of our lives. Um, So I learned a lot from that experience initially and am a better communicator um, and listener for that matter um, because of it.
1: Thank you for sharing Dr. Murphy. I know we can all know that um, communication is key in many aspects of life. So I'm glad that you were able to get that experience. Can you also tell us about what some unanticipated areas of opportunity and growth uh, you discovered while training in your residency this past year?
0: Yeah,
4: absolutely. As our program directors have mentioned previously, and I'm sure healthcare professionals um, across the globe can relate to this because of COVID, um, but most of those clinics being transitioned to um, telehealth appointments and virtual rounding um, really changed our typical daily structure that we were accustomed to as residents and also as students in the past. Um, So for the remainder of my PGY-1 experience, I actually never physically met a single member of the healthcare team I was working on for that entire month, or patient for that matter. Um, And I served on both inpatient and outpatient rotations. So not only were you trying to learn new drugs, new disease states, um, and learn team dynamics, but you were also challenged um, with learning how to create rapport and gain trust with a team every single month from afar. And so I had to work a little bit harder and take some initiative um, to be part of the team and make make sure they knew I was a valuable resource. So I would check in daily um, via text messages with them prior to rounds. I would insert myself virtually as much as I could during rounds and then um, circle back with the team after rounds to see if there was anything that I could help them with. Um, I really enjoy and prefer inpatient interactions and feed off of people. um, So that was really challenging for me to get used to initially. But I feel like it made me, um, it helped me break out of my shell even more. Um, So then we did, when we did get to um, come back to in person rounding um, and more of a normal um, clinic routine, um, I felt I had grown in my ability um, to be a stronger and dependent member of the healthcare team. Um, And so that kind of carried forward to my PGY2 year, where I had a lot of outpatient clinic exposure. Um, So, due to limited space in the clinics, There were times this year that I was located maybe down the hall from the team. And so I used the strategy that I kind of learned initially in my PGY one year um, to check in with the team regularly, um, take more initiative to make sure that they were including me in any questions or therapy changes or or issues that I could help with. So on that communication piece at what piece as well. I think um, shifting to virtually engaging an audience was another key learning experience since we were so used to always presenting in person and having an audience in front of us. So I think learning how to um, didn't have as much experience with webinar type presentations before COVID hit. So the opportunity to grow in that aspect as well and and communicate and connect with people virtually was also an unexpected um, learning experience that I'm really
0: grateful for.
1: Dr. Adman, what about you? What are some areas of opportunity and growth you saw over the past year?
0: So one unanticipated area of opportunity that I've discovered while training is the importance of being flexible and adaptable. Uh, No doubt that COVID has changed the world around us. It has taught us as working professionals that the workplace is one that's always adopting new innovations to increase our efficiency so virtual communication does require special considerations and adjustments due to our limited ability to really read body language or facial expressions, but, but by being adaptable, I was able to learn from those around me and even look online for extra tools or tips and tricks on how to function at a higher communication level than I would have otherwise for instance, um, counseling a patient may take extra efforts on my side, such as sending information, medication information to the patient prior to me taking the time out to actually counseling them. Um, as we know it, a majority of residency activities have been virtual, such as ASHP midyear, virtual interviews, PPS. So I personally think I engaged in more activities this way than I were to otherwise. I was able to attend seminars or conferences while also being able to attend clinic activities such as engaging in telehealth video calls. Doing so allowed for me to have more time in partaking in projects than I would have otherwise been able to. And so I was able to help with data collection for a QI project or even help in data collection for an unanticipated research project, which was really neat. Though virtual meeting virtually meeting is helpful, perf- perfecting virtual communication does require special considerations such as pre- preparation. So it was an unanticipated area of opportunity, but it also enabled me to grow more than I anticipated. Can you both talk
1: about strategies that you have used to increase resiliency and well-being throughout this year, Dr. Adnan? Why don't you get started with that?
0: So there's no easy way navigating the pandemic, but building coping skills and resiliency allowed me to work through what I called the COVID rollercoaster ride. Like building a muscle, resiliency really requires time and dedication, and by no means was it an overnight process for myself. What has helped me during residency is a couple of different things. So number one, I've started um, with a positivity journal. So what I do every night is write two to three things I'm grateful for each day to remind my, myself how fortunate I am. I also love being outdoors. So I play tennis at least two to three times per week. And then I also try to find new places around town to eat. And so I will say that the key to increasing well-being is really starting off with something simple, um, doing, some, doing simple tasks every day that really don't overwhelm me, such as setting a goal to drink two liters of water a day. And so this really has made me appreciate small, meaningful ways that really do make the biggest differences. Dr. Murphy, what about you?
4: Yeah, and I think to add on to that, um, one thing that's helped me this year is to try to disconnect as much as I can um, from residency or pharmacy um, when I have days off. Um, Of course, there's always gonna be times that you need to work on projects on your weekends or days off. Um, But one way I found that helped mitigate that a little bit was being a little more diligent about utilizing downtime during staffing to work on projects or residency related tasks. Um, So then when I did have the opportunity to hang out with friends or family, um, I was able to disconnect wholly from that. Um, another strategy that I've used this year is to try to find time to virtually or in person connect with current or previous um, advisors and mentors outside of the hospital setting. Uh-huh. So we actually started a monthly dinner um, with my previous RPD and advisor and Dr. Adnan as well. Um, so it's been a great opportunity for us to try new food and restaurants in the area and catch up about life things. In addition to that, We also started at the beginning of the year um, PGY2 monthly dinners and happy hours, so it was challenging to get together um, with all of our residents across the entire system, but we found a way to gather in smaller groups. Um, And the thick of residency and the job hunt, it got a little more challenging to get us all together, but um, we've gotten back on track more recently um, with work dinners and, and happy hours, and I think specifically my oncology residency class has been really good about keeping up with celebrating anything that's happening in our lives um, outside of the hospital wall. So um, recently we've been celebrating engagements, weddings, um, new houses and dogs. So really just any opportunity to disconnect and hang out with those loved ones outside of work.
1: That's great to hear that you're getting to back to some sort of type of normal. Can you both share what advice you would give to incoming pharmacy residents knowing that we're not 100% back to normal right now? Dr. Adnan, why don't you start us off?
0: Sure thing. When I think of advice for incoming residents, I think of what advice I would want to be given coming into residency. So first off, being mentally prepared is probably the most important. Um, This will be the most challenging year you will face, but ultimately it will be the most rewarding year of your life. This helps you get through working through the weekends, um, being challenged with a difficult on-call question, or even prioritizing various projects and activities you're working on. Being professional is important because you're also on a job interview every single day. So also being mindful of that. Um, practically speaking, to prepare for a residency, I will advise that it's important to develop organization techniques, starting off with labeling documents and making folders with clinical resources before you even head into residency, this really sets you up for success. And as you're in, always ask your preceptors what work for them and use those strategies as well. And then lastly, as I stated earlier, developing those resiliency habits that will stick with you in the hardest of days. You will lean back on these a lot. Um, and since they're already ingrained in you, they don't take extra energy out of your day if you don't already have it. So overall residency is committing yourself to this goal you've worked four years to get to. Um, and you'll be surprised yourself with yourself on how much you can accomplish. Um, so it's important to seek mentors in your program and really emulate their success. That's great, thank
1: you. Dr. Murphy, what about you? What's some advice you would give some incoming residents?
4: Yeah, I think Dr. Adnan mentioned it perfectly earlier. Um, I think my number one key to success in residency is being flexible and adaptable. Um, And along with that, I would say staying open-minded. Um, So some might think they know exactly what their interests are coming into residency, some might be undecided. Um, But regardless, I think it's really important to take every experience that you have, every opportunity with an open mind and branch out to those areas that you don't know as much about. Um, This is your time to explore, your time to drift outside of your comfort zone. And in doing that, you might find new interests. Um, I'm a prime example of someone whose interests kind of expanded by allowing myself to take a chance and embrace all aspects that residency has to offer. And while I do have the same interests that I did coming into residency, I expanded and have additional ones, which actually led me me to my first job. So I'm really grateful that I allowed myself to get fully immersed in that area um, that I didn't know as much about because I can't imagine starting my career anywhere else. And the final piece of advice that I would give to an incoming resident would be to give yourself grace throughout this entire process. The purpose of residency is to help you grow as a clinician, a professional, and also a person. And if you you aren't experiencing, you're not supposed to know everything at the beginning. That's the purpose of residency, but it's meant to teach you, it's meant to be a learning experience and a journey. So ask those questions along the way, stay curious and never feel like you're too inexperienced to make an impact on the profession. That's some great advice from
1: the both of you. Thank you so much. Well, that's all we have time for today. I want to thank Dr. Fuller, Dr. Schleifer, Dr. Murphy, and Dr. Adnan for joining us today to discuss precepting and developing pharmacy residents during a pandemic. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out the ASHP educator resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as preceptor toolkit, the research resource center, and exchange ideas with your peers on the ASHP Education Connect community. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Educator Essentials, and we hope that you enjoyed today's conversation, and be sure to subscribe to the ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider.
0: Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript.